Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandervoort. I hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to the White City Podcast. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and this is Matt Vandervoort. Hello. Um, so, basically, the idea behind this podcast is that we're going to be looking at the Rings of Power show and talking about what the producers are wanting to do with the show and what they're wanting their viewers to take away from it. And, and then compare that to what Tolkien, you know, did with his books and what he was wanting his readers to take away from that. I kind of had this desire over the past year or so to make sure that people remember Tolkien like the way he, with the way he wrote his books. Because like for the past five years, there's been a lot of hubbub over different things um, from, you know, whether sex and nudity is going to be in the show to... Other things like why are there, you know, people of different color appearing, you know, and all over the place and di for different characters. So, because of that, I basically decided to create a petition to kind of encourage Amazon to stay the course with Tolkien. That's kind of the idea with this show is to give you guys a, a different look at this that you may not have been you know thinking about before and for every episode that comes out for the rings of power we're going to be doing an, an episode for the white city um yeah yeah you did add all right cool. not really yeah so uh i guess just to dive right into the show i guess c comparing it to to the lord of the rings there are definitely some similarities i know i saw in some of the yeah. cross like acting and some of the quotes yeah. that they had they were definitely evoking the sort of attitude and imagery of the films particularly like with um particularly how sauron looked was one very heavy inspiration but then also with i noticed a lot about the music the music was very evocative of the original movies and how they sort of framed their frame their story and frame different themes using various pieces of music and musical themes and things like that. Um, and yeah, I think it, it definitely was pulling on that same sort of tradition that the movies had. Again, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be set in the same continuity as the movies, but if it isn't, they're definitely trying to sort of imply that it is so that it will have that sort of unif unity with the movies, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, because I think they want to run this in the same vein because people are, you know, kind of hold the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy up on like a pedestal. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. like, um, you know, like, oh, it's like as close as it can get basically to the books, you know. Yeah. Even though like there are some like things left out, like, you know, Tom Bombadil isn't mentioned and other things like that from the books. But I mean... I don't know, you can't really expect like 100% yeah. accuracy. 
necessarily. Yeah. I thought another thing, they're just looking at something about the shows. Um, apparently, like they are gonna bring up the um, the gate to Moria. Oh, okay. So, which is interesting. Oh, okay. People were giving a lot of you know quibble about it because basically it's not looking like exactly yeah. like Tolkien yeah. described it. Okay. So, mm. um, that that's something else where yeah, like how much of the show do you expect to be like like the books? Yeah. You know? I think my impression of a lot of people's attitudes toward towards it going into it was a very I know there there were some people that were upset about certain things but it also it seemed very tame very sort of I think that most of the people that are Lord of the Rings fans are going to take this not as a core part of the story like when you compare it to other things like Star Wars or things like that where they have all these things that are coming out that are adding to the canon of the story. Whereas I don't think this is, I don't think anyone who's watching this is going to take this as part of the, the canon of the Lord of the Rings story. It's just mm. an interesting story that happens to be set in this world. And so personally, I'm less concerned with some of the changes that they're going to make. Um, If it's drastic... I probably will have cools with it, but I'm a little bit more forgiving on, especially things like artistic license of things, just because it's not, I'm not taking it as like, they're trying to make this canon truth. It's just sort of like, you know, I want them to be as accurate as possible to the books, but there's are, there already are some things that I'm curious about their decisions just because I don't know all the material they have to work with and things like that. Um, so I'm interested to see the gate and I'm interested to see how they handle, uh, you know, the kingdoms of men at this point and the dwarves and, um, all those different factors that like the one thing I kept asking myself throughout this whole thing is when exactly is this set? Mm-hmm. Because like, is it pre fall of Numenor? Is it post fall of Numenor? Mm-hmm. Um, who are it's pre. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. pre. Okay. Again, I have So that's like like the fall of Numenor is gonna be one of like the okay. beginning things. Okay, okay. I think. Cool. Yeah. That clears up some stuff. Like I said, I've gone into this yeah. pretty blind in terms of it. And so I am curious to see how they handle things. Um and again, I want them to be accurate, but since I'm not taking it as gospel truth for Lord of the Rings, yeah. I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm a little more willing to give them a little bit of artistic license. But. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I'm definitely, like, even through everything with, you know, stuff I've heard about it that I've disagreed with yeah. and whatnot, I've definitely, like, been kind of in agreement with, like, some people saying, just watch the show and then, like, make your evaluation. Because, yeah. um, like, I am willing to, like, say, hey, you know... I mean, they put a t- ton of money, time, you know, whatnot into making the show. So in one sense, it's like, all right, it's kind of obvious that, you know, it would be at least half decent. Yeah. Um, I th- yeah. Excuse me. I think my main, the main thing that I'm going to be looking for is 
are the people that are making this show, are they doing it because they love Tolkien and they love the story, or are they doing it because epic fantasy shows are a popular thing right now? And I think that if they're doing it because they want to tell a good story in this universe, then I'm gonna, I'll be more forgiving of like, okay, they changed this detail here, they changed that detail there. Then if it's just a sort of, oh, Lord of the Rings is popular and all the good fantasy shows, there wasn't a good fantasy show at the time. So we're going to push this out so that we can try to make a quick buck, which at yeah. that point, if you're just going to do that, like you, you may as well not do it. I mean, I can understand the business side of it, but at the same time, like just make your own thing if you're going to do that. So, um, so I think depending on how the show is going forward, I think that'll, uh, I don't know, influence how I feel about it. Um, if I can, like, if I can tell that they're actually putting in the effort to understand the world and yeah. do thing, do all these things. Like one, one detail I noticed that I think was pretty great was, uh, when they're in, are we doing spoilers? I guess we are doing spoilers for the episode. Um, well, yeah, I mean, at this point, like, yeah, that's one thing we yeah. should mention is if, like, you should probably have watched the episode already because yeah. this is a kind of a commentary on the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so, yeah, there okay. will be spoilers okay. here. So, yeah, okay, definitely, okay, okay. yeah, fire away. So, one yeah. thing that I noticed was um, the the visuals for Valinor were very close to the descriptions, I think, from what I've read because I've read, I've reread those sections of the Silmarillion recently. And the sort of the valley into like the bay going into the valley where the city is, that was all very accurate and faithful to the books. And so, um, so far, I think I'm not, you know, completely one way or the other on how I feel about it, but so far I'm cautiously optimistic, I could say, about it. There's a lot of, in a lot of ways, they could go wrong, or right? Yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, they could, yeah. like, in some ways, like I honestly don't know enough about like some storylines, like you're saying about like the men and like what's, you know, what's gonna be like happening with that in, in the timeline. Yeah. Because like, the boy that picked up the like the broken sword, like, I guess. What is Turin like first age? Yes, or... Turin is okay. first age. Yeah, I feel like yeah. those are popular characters that I just don't know. And I wish they did Turin, but they I just can't. don't. <laughs> right, I just don't know like who is the popular like men characters. Yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess maybe like if they, Elendil and Isildur, yeah, right, they'd be coming if they're in the coming in, age. if they're coming in, if they're starting with the fall of Numenor as a major event, then those characters will show up. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, yeah. And it, do you know if it's been how many seasons they're planning on doing? If they're just doing one, if they've trying to do multiple, cause I, they're doing multiple. Okay. Yeah, definitely multiple. So like, and then opportunities for spinoffs as well. Ah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> 
So like the thing is, I is would that... watch. I would watch a Smeagol spinoff. <laughs> I'm gonna put that out there. I would totally watch just this Hobbit slowly descending into madness. I would totally watch that. That'd be great. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if Amazon, if you're listening. Yeah. Please. So I mean, basically, like another thing is, is like they're they're. They can only go off so much. Like they're get they're given very little to go yes. off. So yes. with that, it's kind of like, at least for like if you're trying to be as you're saying more canon or legendarium, then like all right, it makes like if they're not able to like really stick with it, it kind of makes sense because yeah. they can't really use the books like they should be able to. Yeah, which I think is why I've had I've had mixed feelings about like new characters and things like that because on the one hand. I'm very much like, oh, I want to see how they handle these characters that are in the story. But also, again, there's not much to go off of. So I I feel like it is a safer bet for them to have these um, these other characters that are going to be playing a major role. Like, obviously, you have Elrond and you have Gladriel, um, who are, you know, kind of important <laughs> in the overall story. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, I think that, so I, I'm glad that they have, what was the other elf's name? The, the king? No, not the king. No. The archer guy. Oh yeah, Arondir. Yeah, Arondir. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that they have him. I, I like, so far I like the, the Hobbit characters. They seem fun. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad that with Arondir, they took him and his human friend to, it sounds like they're going out to an area that isn't really mentioned or maybe may have been invented for this show. Yeah. And I think that with that approach, they can get away with a little more, I guess, um, without treading too much on the legendarium and the canon and everything like that, which I think is how a lot of Lord of the Rings projects try to approach it mm. is sort of, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, mess it up we're not gonna mess it up we're gonna make something that fits in the world but we yeah we'll we'll do something lore friendly i guess would be the the best phrase for it mm-hmm. yeah it's good um <clears throat> so i guess something i was thinking about that was kind of interesting i i really wasn't i was kind of confused on it and where they were going with it but when galadriel's brother is like talking to her about like oh when when can you know which light to follow yeah and and also like why do ships float and rocks sink yeah that's another thing like I'm not exactly sure where they're trying to go with it maybe it's like rocks like don't adventure and they stay where they're at yeah or I, I'm not exactly sure like because that was like her decision making for why she jumped the boat yeah and I don't exactly. I, get why that was. I think I think that my interpretation of it would be something along the lines of the rock just sort of gets pulled down by darkness is what was mentioned in the actual scene, but you could take that as any number of things, be that evil, or I think the way the show was going for it was just sort of complacency. Um... Even in the, so even if you take that opening scene where it's Gladriel as a child, um, you can have 
you can take it a number of ways, but she's the one who's making something, who's sort of innovating something, mm-hmm. doing something, whereas the other children are sort of laughing at her because they just want to do, you can take it as they just want to do what's already been done and they want to be very, um, I don't know, it's not, I guess static would be a good word, word for it, which I think in a lot of Tolkien stories is how the elves are often portrayed. Um, ironically, the most changing elves tend to be the ones that get in trouble. So you could argue whether or not what, what the message of the elves is. Um, though I will say, I think that the characterization of Galadriel, especially if you're taking her character from the Silmarillion, I think they got it pretty well where she was very much a sort of, uh, rebel. Yeah character and so but even in that you think that's accurate oh yeah i think that's accurate um yeah there's there's a scene there's a scene in the silmarillion where fanor who's like the a very important character who as i've described many times to my friends he's the best he's also the worst um but there's one scene where he's the brother of he's not the brother he's not no he's a an uncle or a half uncle. Oh, okay. I'd have to gotcha. get the family tree out. But he okay. he wants some of her hair because it's supposed to be like the most beautiful thing, and she refuses it to him, which does later in the Lord of the Rings make it significant that he uh, asked for one strand, Gimli gets three. Um Yeah, okay. But all right. So the characterization of Gladwell is very well very good. And so I think in that that scene where the rocks are being dragged down by complacency, they're being it's they sort of flip it on its head where because she says sometimes the the water is light and so in the end scene when she's going to the undying lands that is she's realizing that it's not that the undying lands are dark in that they're evil it's that that's not where she's supposed to be going and so hmm. she and if you get Right at the end is when they reveal that he says the only way to know the difference is to touch the darkness or whatever, right. whatever that line is. It's right before she gets there that she finally realizes, no, I need to go back. I need to look up, and that's where I need to go, even though it seems everyone else, everyone around me is telling me, oh, this is you shouldn't be doing this. She's the one that's realizing, no, I need to do this. I need to go back and do the hard thing rather than doing what would seem to be the most seem to be the easiest and the best thing because she she knows that like she mentions to Elrond even if she even if nothing happens she'll still know forever that she left something unfinished um and so and I'm wondering too if they brought in her oath to her brother because I'm trying to remember if her brother's even I know she has brothers mm-hmm. in the Silmarillion but I'm trying to remember I thought if they go, if they, one of them goes over at least. I'll have to get this okay. early in next time. I got you. Yeah, I, have the, I don't guys. remember. Um. Anyway, I could go into deep Silmarillion lore. I can nerd <laughs> out about that stuff and make parallels. If I <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> I mean, I I guess that oath is like is this like she did like that same thing kind of happened. Yeah, in the Silmarillion. So. There's another oath that she takes as part of the group that goes back to the Middle Earth. Yeah. That in the Silmarillion, they can't return until they've... It's sort of a dark oath in, like, 
Um, it's right after Morgoth has stolen the Silmarils and failed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And all his kin right. swear an oath to return them. Right. And I can't remember if she actually swore the oath or not, but it's sort of implied that she went with them, so she's put under the same sort of curse as all of them that yeah. she can't return until she's proven herself worthy again, which is what happens in The Lord of the Rings when she's offered the ring. And so I think ah, since I they can't okay. use that oath and that particular is that onus first on age? Her, is that first Yeah, that's age? all first okay. age. Since they can't yeah. use that. Well, that's like it's pre-first age, actually. Oh, okay. Um, oh, wow. It's like right before the first age. Um, okay. The, it's the I first age you. of the sun is what it is. Okay. And so she can't return. She sort of has this onus on her that she can't return. And so I'm thinking that they're using this oath to her brother as sort of a stand-in for that. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Use I see. Uh, the Doom of Mandos. They're I think just making a parallel, as you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So All I'm, right. I'm wondering. Yeah. It's things like that that make me, that encourage me that the people that did this actually did their homework and actually yeah. know what they're talking about. And so that's one thing that I'll be looking for is sort of, okay, what are they paralleling? What are they pulling? And what are they just deciding? You know what? It'd be really good to have something like this, but for the sake of continuity or for the sake of ease of storytelling, we can't. Because I think that's that's one thing that, like you brought up Tom Bombadil, and that's one thing that I wish had been in the movies, but I can totally understand why it's not. And so, I, again, I think I think I can be more forgiving in a lot of cases than maybe I should be, um, but. I think that there might be things that they they change or they ignore just because it'd be nice to have, but they'd have to work around it. So I'll be curious to see what they do with that and what they do end up working around. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I was because I was like had had this thought before about like. Um, is there a clear sense of right and wrong? Um, like that's one of the like the things like I'd like to be thinking about. And yeah, I was I'm wondering if where where she has that decision about you know where it's like the light and the light bouncing off the water and the rock, and all that. If that would be kind of similar to that, or if you think that would be kind of a first shot. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I think it's very hard. I think they couldn't tell a story in this world without having some sense of right and wrong, some clear sense of right and wrong. Because, I mean, it is sort of the modern sort of, uh, I don't know, the, the ultimate example in recent times of a story of good versus evil, um, in fantasy especially, where, like, Sauron is clearly evil, and those that are opposing him are clearly good. And so I think I think the show, almost by definition of it being set in Middle Earth, has to have a set uh has to operate on a clear good and evil mindset. So or right and wrong, I guess, would be the yeah. less because I was going to say one of the examples I thought of is when she jumps off the boat. That's clearly an example of her doing the right thing. Um, 
where going to the Undying Lands would be the wrong thing. And I don't necessarily say, I don't think you could say that that would have been an evil thing right, per se. Right. But so I think there definitely is a sense of right and wrong um, as taken by when she does that and when I keep forgetting his name, Aaron. Arondor. Arondor, yeah. yeah. Um, when he goes back. I don't remember that town. But yeah. yeah, goes right. back to the town. Um, I am a little curious what they're doing with that, mostly because it's played up so much in the books that Aragorn and Arwen were a special case that only mirror a couple of other right. pairings. With so, like, from a storytelling <clears throat> perspective, I can understand, like, if this wasn't set in The Lord of the Rings, I can understand that be that being a very compelling and i think they could make it into some sort of compelling right um story um from a strictly lord of the rings nerd purist whatever sense i'm a little curious how they'll handle that and i think they can handle it well yeah it would probably have to result in one of them dying but interesting yeah yeah, yeah. um which again to get a little bit story analytical they could set him up to die as, look at, this is one of our main characters who we know doesn't survive, like, isn't in the books and the movies. So, because, like, from, if you, stepping away from willing suspension of disbelief for a second, at no point can we really think that Galadriel or Elrond are in any real danger in this story because they're so important to the, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings. And so I think... That he could be, I could see them having his story, and I think that'll be one of the tells for me: is do they care about the story, or are they just trying to write an interesting uh, story to get a book to get some money? Is if they end up together, to me that'll seem more like a oh we're doing this because we just want an interesting plot point in our show. If they almost end up together, but then something happens, I think that will show to me that they're they're really caring about the source material rather than just trying to get a quick buck. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Definitely a good thought. Which who knows by the end of the season we might not or it might be until the end of the season before we see that happen. So Yeah, right. Definitely. Yeah, I think at this point it's kinda tough to like just go off and like talk about each character yeah, individually yeah. and try to like yeah. really like flesh it out or whatnot um yeah i mean there's but, only again there's so many characters introduced in the first episode yeah that yeah i mean we can talk about elrond and we can talk about galadriel from their mm-hmm. characterization in the books but i don't i have no idea what these other characters yeah, are up to right i thought a good thing to mention also is that um like some people like don't know exactly what the rights are to the show. Yeah. Um, so people may be thinking, oh, why aren't they giving more detail from the Silmarillion or yeah. the Unfinished Tales or whatever? And it's like, well, actually, they were given the same rights for the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like the same rights that the Lord of the Rings movie have, that's the rights they have. So they can't, so, if it's not mentioned in the appendices of the Lord of the Rings, they can't use yeah. it. Which is why at the beginning, the right. only elf named is Galadriel because. They can say she has a brother and sort of plausibly give some mm-hmm. plausible deniability to the fact that, no, he's original to the show when they might be intending him to be like 
Finkelfin or Finarfin. I can't yeah, remember that's right. which that's, one, that's of one of those names. That's right. One of those. Yeah. It's either one of those, I think, is her brother or her father or something like that. I think she has two brothers. She has two brothers. So, one of them. I feel like one of them dies. One I of them swear. definitely dies because I'm pretty sure I wrote a like, paper Morgoth about it in kills. College. I thought yeah. Morgoth kills him. Yeah, there's a fight. I can't, I think it's Fingolfin, but it might be Finra. No, it's Fingolfin. It's got to be Fingolfin. Anyways, yeah. whoever it was, yeah. I wrote a paper about it in college about their fight and what it meant. And I have no, I can't remember what I said, but um, yeah, she, that was one, that was her brother. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was her brother. And so he definitely went and fought because he fights Morgoth and he loses, but he really gets the moral victory over Morgoth. And that's like when Morgoth never comes out of his castle again, because mm-hmm. he got so humiliated. Um, And so, yeah, so, but they're doing things like that where, um, so Morgoth is mentioned in the Lord of the Rings so they can talk about him, mm-hmm. like briefly, because okay. they talk yeah. about the Balrog of Morgoth and stuff like right, that. Right, right. Um, which is why I'm curious to how far this, how far they're willing to push it, because Turin and Baron mm-hmm. are mentioned briefly in the Lord of the Rings as these ancient heroes that, like, at one point... Sam, I think when he's stabbing Shelob, is like, they talk about how he was able to pierce Shelob because it was an elven blade, but if it had been a man-made blade, not even Torin could have stabbed her with it or something okay. like that. So there's there's brief references. Mm. So I'm hoping that they will at least throw the name around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. I doubt it, but I, I'm, I'm yeah. holding out hope for it because no, Torin's my be, favorite character, be... I think. <laughs> Yeah, he's, I know, it's pretty cool, like, all the different stories and whatnot they tie in, tie, in, tie him into. Yeah. I feel like he has a really, like, a really big part of the Silmarillion. Yeah. And then, like, there's the Children of Fear also, so, yeah. like, I know, there's lots of, lots to know about him. Yeah. I guess something else that I kind of want to make sure I kind of give as, like, an overall, like... Um, theme to the podcast is just like you know considering like again what the producers like what do they have an agenda with this and is it is it clear that they have a certain agenda as compared to like Tolkien and like like did he have a certain agenda what was it you know yeah those two things that I kind of want to like talk about throughout the series and you know kind of give a good um, I don't just kind of give a good detailed, you know, discussion on that. Yeah. But, yeah. yep. So, but, yep. Thanks, Matt. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the White City podcast. Um, be sure we're going to do a next one on the second episode. It's already come out. So, some of you guys may have already seen it, but we'll, we'll probably try to get in another, another podcast episode midweek. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Thank you. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.